clear the throat. Welcome to another episode of the Mixtape Podcast, the podcast dedicated to discussing film from a screenplay writer's perspective. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Nestroza, joined as always by my fearless, by my wonderful co-host, Dean Stark. And on today's program, we'll be talking about the classic parody film, Spaceballs, from 1987. So, as we do every week, I will toss it over to Dean so she can take us through this film section by section. So, Dean, take it away. Hello, everyone. Yes, we're talking about the Mel Brooks classic Spaceballs, as my co-host said, released in 1987, directed by Mel Brooks, written by Mel Brooks, Thomas Meehan, and Ronnie Graham. Okay, so the opening of this is basically bar for bar Star Wars. It's got the par- it's got the writing that like goes away, and there's so much of it. I actually was like, oh, you know what? I don't want to write this down. I'm just gonna screen. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a photo of my TV so I don't have to write it down. But then I realized there was so much of it that I couldn't get it all in the shot. So I, I, I took a photo of half of the writing and I wrote down the other half because look, as everybody knows, if people listen to this, I can't read my writing. So let's just see how this fucking goes. All right. So it starts off. (coughs) Sorry, folks. Okay. In a galaxy very, 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 very far away, there lived a ruthless race of beings known as space balls. The evil leaders of planet Spaceball, having foolishly squandered their precious atmosphere, have devised a see, devised, let's go, let's keep going. <laughs> I knew it would fuck me up. I knew this is going to fuck me up. Anyway, I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going. You can do it. You can I can do, do it. it. You, you know, I just, need, I just need come a pep on, talk. Come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. Come on. Let's do it. Go on. Go on. Let's go. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Have devised a secret plan to take every breath of air away from their peace-loving neighbor, planet Druidia. Today is Princess Vesper's wedding day. Unbeknownst to us, danger lurks in the stars above. Yes! Fucking did it. <laughs> yes. I only fucked up two times. Fuck yeah. All right. Um, oh, and on the tail end of it, it says if you can read this, you don't need glasses, which I always found funny. Now, listen, people that haven't seen this movie, this is kind of look, I wouldn't call it a kid's movie, but it's kind of the the comedy in it is very 80s. It's very 80s, very early 90s. So if you were to watch it as an adult today, you would just find it stupid. But for the time and because I watched it as a kid, it's just uh, a classic and um, people of my generation will will um, will understand that. So before I move on to the opening scene, what did you think of the – I mean, is that the opening scene? I don't know. It's not the opening scene. It's just like the opening paragraph. So what did you think about – that about the scrolling about the the how they kind of mimic star wars what do you think yeah well for anyone who is wondering this this movie is a giant parallel of star wars and as someone who watched the movie in pieces when i was a little kid but really didn't remember any of it i thought that the opening of this film was beat for beat star wars except really fucking stupid uh um lo and behold uh i i did not know the hilarity and the stupidity that would that i was in store for but i thought the opening was funny and interesting and you know it 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 told you right off the bat 
what type of film that you were about to watch. Right. So the opening scene, I always giggle at because it's a very, very, very long shot of a space vessel, which again is making fun of Star Wars because they had that same shot and it was really fucking long, right? So they're just making it twice as long as how it was in Star Wars. And when we get to the tail end of the vessel, it has three boosters and then a car sticker that says we break for nobody. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm going to be giggling like I'm 10 years old again watching this movie, but I thought that was pretty funny. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, as that, as the, as the ship kept scrolling across the screen, I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, how long is this fucking ship? (laughs) Then when we got to the back of it with the boosters and then I had this sticker that says, we break for nobody. I'm like, ah, very funny Mel Brooks, but seriously, (laughs) that's fucking long. (laughs) And um, just so you know, folks, when I was taking notes for this movie, this movie has so many jokes in it and I love every single one of them and I couldn't write them down. Otherwise this podcast would be like three hours long. So I kind of only wrote down my favorites i have two favorite scenes that have never wavered and when we get to them um i will tell you do you have a favorite scene don't tell me now just when we uh, get yeah. to it i uh, know well okay well i well i won't well, well i won't spoil it but it involves a member of a certain ship that gets lost in a certain area of space Okay, so now we're moving on to the first scene and we go inside the ship, the ship that we that was the fucking longest shot ever, and we meet Dark Helmet or Lord Helmet and he's played by Rick Moranis and obviously it's a take on, on Darth Vader and he has a giant oversized Darth Vader helmet, which I always thought was hilarious when I was a kid. It's like this is like the Wish version of of Darth Vader and just the way he's dressed is just like someone that doesn't really understand like um dressing up for Comic-Con <laughs> like that's what they would dress in if you haven't seen the movie I would recommend you see it anyway so he does this villain walk and you've got this villain music and then right as he gets to the end you can <sighs> like he's like having trouble breathing and then he lifts the helmet up he's like oh my god I can't breathe in this thing and you find it funny because it's Darth Vader but it's not Darth Vader. So just with that scene, it's like, oh, this is actually this is a parody, which we already know we're in, but it's not, it's not him. So he's he's kind of doing a different take on the character. And then he says, you know, I'm going to call President Scroob, which is played by Mel Brooks, and tell him we are approaching Planet Druidia. And his workmen tell him he's he's done it and dark helmet puts what is it wait what did i write his workman tells him he's done it what did he do Hmm. i wonder i wonder if i didn't write that down (laughs) fuck i knew as i was writing this i knew it i knew my writing was gonna fuck me up um uh, oh that's right sorry i didn't i didn't put correct grammar right so he says tell president scroob we're approaching planet juridia and one of his workmen says he's already done it He's already told the president. And so Dark Helmet gets pissed off and he puts a ring on his finger and it's there's a laser that comes out and beams directly onto his balls, which, again, when I was 10, thought it was hilarious. And I'm like, oh, that's really weird. And then there's a colonel that's like one of the main characters and he, he pulls him over to like a Mr. Coffee machine because he's like, show me the radar. And he goes, is this the radar? He goes, no, it's a coffee machine. He's like, oh, okay, well, where's the radar? He goes, oh, the radar's right here. He's like. Lucky, lucky I have my coffee. Like, Dark Helmet is such an idiot. Dark Helmet reminds me of the Wicked Witch and Zer from Last Starfighter because he's so no, inept. He's so, no. yeah, he's what so stupid and he's Wait so inept. Wait a minute. 
Wait a minute. I do not agree with that at all. Dark Helmet is not like the Wicked Witch. You take that back right now. <laughs> Although, no. oh, look, 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 look. And Dark and Dark Helmet is not like the fucking Zork from the last Starfighter. This guy is ten times worse than those. Those people are ten, are a hundred times more competent than this motherfucker is. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, will yeah, not yeah, accept yeah. That. Okay, okay. It's true, but what I mean is that he's all bark and no bite. Which is what they, okay, which is okay, what they okay. were. Not necessarily personality, but he's all like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that." But he never actually does anything. <laughs> That's what I mean. So listen, take okay. a fucking breath, okay? Take okay, okay. Take a breath. I understand the Wicked Witch. Um, nothing compares. Nothing compares to the Wicked right. Witch. So then, Dark Helmet says, "Planet Druidia has ten thousand years of fresh air, and we must get through the shield in order to get it." So. Yeah, Spaceball City, Planet Spaceball is running out of fresh air. Planet Druidia has it. Um, President Scroob, which is the president of Spaceball City, wants to get the air and has sent Dark Helmet to kind of figure out the code to get the shield open to get the air because they just want to steal it because they're like, they're bad guys. Um, and and it's sort of, it, look, it sets up everything. It sets up Dark Helmet is an idiot. It sets up um, the planet. Druidia has 10,000 years of fresh air and it sets up the goal. So this is within the first five minutes, it's everything is set up. So what say you? Yeah, the screenplay writing is very, very economical within the first 10 minutes. Like Dean said, the the, the plot of the film or, or one of the main crux of the film is set up. Uh, Dark Helmet is very fucking stupid. Um, I really like the scene when he walks up to the radar screen. And he goes, I don't want to see the radar screen. I want some coffee because I always need coffee when I'm looking at the radar. I'm like, I'm like, what a fucking student. But I loved it. Um, you know, I loved his, I, I thought, I thought the ring that, that shoots the laser that hit the other guy in the nuts. That was funny, kind of childish, but funny all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I just thought that it was a really, really funny introduction to Dark Helmet. Yeah. So now we are on planet druidia and we are at a royal wedding and so i love the um the board outside the 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 wedding chapel it says today the royal wedding of princess vespa and prince valium tomorrow bingo (laughs) again it's you know just made that fine (laughs) you know you know uh i must admit that every time i heard the name vespa i thought of the bond girl vespa from casino royale from daniel from daniel craig's casino royale oh okay uh but but like you, I found the board humorous. I like the board. Yeah. So now we go in and we meet Princess Vespa, which is played by Daphne Zuniga and her father and Dot the robot. So Dot is a take on C-3PO and is voiced by uh, Joan Rivers. And as they walk down the aisle, she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to marry the prince. She's like, oh, my God, do I have to do it? And he's like, yes, you have to do it. He's the last prince in the galaxy. You're a princess. You have to, you have, there's no one else to marry. And so the so the so his name's prince valium and if you're too young if you don't understand what that is valium is a pill that makes you go la la to sleep <laughs> yep <laughs> right? uh-huh. makes you go, yeah and so he's standing there yawning <laughs> which i Va- funny this is, a, this is a, kids kids valium is yummy sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> so uh the the princess gets to the altar and she bolts She's like, no, can't do this. Don't want to marry him. She runs right out the door. Dot's fucking uh, um, holding onto the back of her dress, and she's after her. And then she goes outside. She gets into a shuttle outside with Dot, and they fly away. And that's it. So that's set up Princess Vespa. It sets up. She doesn't. She's she's defiant. She doesn't want to do what her father tells her to do. 
uh, and she's got a robot, and that's it. She's gone. So what do you think? I thought it was a good setup for Princess Vespa. It showed that she was free-willed, and it showed that she wouldn't marry somebody who didn't doesn't love her and somebody who is obviously a fucking dropkick in, mm-hmm. in, in Princess Valium because that motherfucker couldn't even stay on his own two feet yeah. for two and a half seconds. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, you know, and you know that also that also brings up. I mean, when when I when I watched it, I don't know why my head went there, but I felt bad for people who um, who have to go through arranged marriages and mm. get uh, married by um, get get married by get married to individuals that their parents chose for them. Yeah, I'm like, that's not the right thing to do. But you know that 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 whole thought came to my head as I was watching this Vespa scene. Mm. And I like the part where she runs out of the chapel, gets into the spaceship and flies away. So next we have an introduction to Captain Lone Star and Barf. Barf is a mog, which is half man, half dog, and it's played by the wonderful John Candy. And they're in a Winnebago in space. So mm. it's like a spaceship, but a Winnebago. And the bumper stick- sticker says, I love Uranus, which again is a childish, it's fucking childish. This whole movie is fucking childish. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And I love it. It's so childish. I love it. So there's an incoming transmission on the TV, and it's someone called Pizza the Hut, which, again, I thought was hilarious. Hold on. on. This motherfucker was disgusting. Oh, my God, gross. I'm like, (laughs) the the second I saw him, I'm like, first of all, first of all, I look, I must say, I love John Candy, but I just found his character barf to be kind of disgusting to me. Uh, But, 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 but. That doesn't compare to the second I saw, uh, you know, you know, Pizza the Hut guy. I was like, this is too much. This is disgusting. So no, but it was it was gross. But how good were the effects? Like it was, you know, yeah, what I mean? like practical effects. It was gross. But yeah, I loved it was it. like he was like he was like peeling while he was, was like talking. melting it was pizza. Disgusting. It was gross. Yeah, it was gross. So anyway, he's asking for his money because you owe me a hundred thousand space bucks by tomorrow. And then he says, ah, oh, you know what? I'm going to make it a million space bucks for late charges. And he's like, he's like, yeah. he, sorry, yeah. he's like Jabba the Hutt. He's like Jabba the Hutt because, because in the first Star Wars, Han Solo owed Jabba the Hutt money. Yeah, that's the point. The whole thing is Star Wars. Yeah, yeah that's the point. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know that's the point. Which I thought was funny because there's so many parallels um, between them. So we've got an introduction yeah. to Captain Lone Star and Barf, and we know their characters. We know Barf is a bit of an idiot. We know Captain Lone Star owes money that he can't pay, so he, he just he has no money. He just flies by the seat of his pants. Uh, what did you think about the uh, the character introduction of them? Yeah, like I said, I found I found Barf to be a little bit disgusting. Um, I liked the the whole Winnebago spaceship kind of thing. I love the sticker on the back, but the most but the most disgusting thing about it was meeting Java the Pizza guy. <laughs> pizza the Hut. Um, I yeah, Pizza the Hut. Yeah. I found that to be gross and disgusting. Yeah. The the, the practical effect was great because when he was talking, pieces of pizza were falling up. He was like leaking. <laughs> yeah. It was just disgusting. <laughs> um, it was really cool to see Bill Pullman in a really, really uh, early film for me because mm-hmm. I, I only know Bill Pullman from a couple of films, but mm-hmm. everybody, you know, people of my generation who haven't seen this movie too much, when you think of Bill Pullman, you think of uh, Independence Day and you think of that great speech. So it was... It was nice to see him in a different role. Yeah, I don't think of Independence Day. I think of Casper. Ah, oh yes, that's right. He was in that too. Yeah, good point. I wasn't. I wasn't a huge Independence Day fan. So, 
Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, that makes sense. You're not a big action person. No, that's true. But I did love Casper. So he reminds me of Casper. So anyway, the next scene I always found hilarious when I was a kid. So the princess and Dot are in the shuttle and they're in space. And and, and the princess has the princess layer hair, hairdo, right, with the buns on the side. And Dot is (laughs) asking her questions. She's like, oh, you know, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And she's Princess Vesper is just like not listening. And Dot is like, are you listening to me? And then Princess Vespa takes off a pair of headphones that look like the hairdo, (laughs) but it's headphones. It's not a hairdo. She's like, what? What are you saying? And as a kid, I always fucking pissed myself at that. I also thought it was such a funny joke to put in there that, um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was funny. That's it. That's literally the scene. And I just thought that that was a great joke, funny scene. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was funny. It was, uh, I mean, to be honest, um, to be honest, I didn't find it as funny as Dean did. I just thought it was well, charming. You know what I should stop uh, doing? I should stop picking movies from my childhood that you've never seen before because watching a childhood movie, <laughs> no, honestly, watching a childhood movie as an adult has a completely different effect. I mean, you know this. Yeah, yeah, no, but I, no, but I do want to, I do want to reiterate. I saw this movie when I was a kid, but that was years ago, and I only saw it like once. Yeah, yeah, but you don't remember. Um, it. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Okay. So anyway, now we're at Spaceball City and we're with President Scroob, which again is played by Mel Brooks, and he opens a drawer and there's a can of Perry Air and then it says canned in Druidy and he starts sniffing it like it's it's cocaine or something, like it's a drug (laughs) because there's no air there and they're running out of air. So, of course, he's got a secret stash. So there's a transmission on the TV and Lord Helmet, the woman comes on and she says Lord Helmet has informed them that Princess Vespa is in sight. Spaceball 1, which is the big ship from the beginning, is closing in. Would you like to observe? And then he's like, yeah, yeah. And then she said, shall I have Snotty beam you down? (laughs) Again, I found that funny. And he's like, oh, I don't know about this beaming thing. And so he stands in the beam and it does it. And then he he beams him to where he needs to go, but he's backwards. And then Scotty's snot is like, oh, my God, ah, I'll help you. I'm going to do it again. And so he does it again and he beams back normally and President Scroob is like, you know what? No more beaming. I'm just going to walk. And he literally just walks into the next room, <laughs> which I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you know, the Star Trek fan in me got a real kick of him beaming. And when he beamed, his his body was like deformed because that's a that's a fucking horrible thing about transporters. Like you step into a transporter and you think you're going to you, you think you're going to show up the right way when you dematerialize on the other side. But sometimes they have these things called transport accidents. And when you have a transport accident, it is possible for you to come. It is possible. It is possible for you to come either inside out or things can be in the wrong place. So I really, really found that scene to be really, really fun. And the fact that he didn't even have to beam, they could just walk. He, he just could have walked to the command center by walking to the door in the side of his office. I thought that was great. So now we're with uh, dark helmet on Spaceball One, and he starts firing at the princess, at the the ship she's in. And she's like, oh, my God, what's happening? And then she says a line which I love. She goes, I don't have to put up with this. I'm rich. (laughs) I'm like, okay. So she calls it. She starts calling her dad for help. And then he calls Lone Star. And Lone Star said, look, I'll do it for a million space bucks. And he agrees. The king agrees. He's like, just go and get my princess. They see the princess is is in a tractor beam, and they decide, uh, you know, why don't we jam the radar? So they can get her out. And literally 
Bath presses a button and a jar of jam comes out of their ship and hits there and hits the Spaceball One's radar dish, literally a jar of jam. And then we go into Spaceball One and we have the amazing Michael Winslow, who uh, is from, people will know him from Police Academy. He's an amazing voice actor and he's doing all the radar sounds and Mel Brooks hired him specifically for that scene so he could do the radar sounds. So he didn't have to put it in in post because he can just do it. Um, and then I knew that guy. I, yeah, I knew that guy. I knew that guy sounded familiar. I'm like, is that the guy from Police? From, from Police? Yes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is the guy from Police. Yeah, and is. then he says the radar appears to be jammed. And then jam starts like pouring down the screens. And then Dark Helmet's like, Strawberry, Lone Star, only Lone Star would do this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So that's that scene. Yeah, no, I look, 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 look. I thought, I look, I thought it was cool. I did find um, the the scene funny where you know when Vespa said, "I don't have to put up with this." I'm rich. I did find that really funny. I did find the jam thing funny, but the best thing for me about the whole scene was the guy from Police Academy doing all the radar sounds. That yeah. was just really cool. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. So Lone Star and Bath get to the princess and they rescue the princess because they've jammed their radar, but she won't go without her luggage. She has to have her luggage. And Lone Star is pissed. And he's like, how the hell, who does she think she, just what does she think this is? So he gets over the microphone and he says he's going to dump the luggage the first chance he gets. She replies. She's pissed off. She's like, how can you treat me this way? I'm a princess. She's like, you're not going to touch the luggage and you need to clean this place up because it's disgusting. And then he gets pissed and she's like, I will not be rescued in such filth. Like typical, typical princess. And then he does the one thing that pisses her off the most. He calls her sweetheart. Listen, I really like the scene because it's it's a classic sort of sort of you know I fucking hate you. You're saying everything I'm not used to. You should treat me with respect. But here's the thing: mm. when you when you encounter somebody who is when you encounter somebody who is used to living a certain way mm. and you want to bring them down a couple pegs, okay. show them how, I show them how insignificant they are yeah. to the greater scheme of things. And I, that's what I think yeah. Lone Star accomplished in that scene. He showed her that she's not as big of a shit as she thinks. She yes. Is. Yes. I agree. So, so, so I thought, so I thought that scene was very effective in two aspects. Number one, brought it down a couple pegs. Mm. And number two, it, it really showed how it really showed the start of their friendship and how their dynamic is going to get better throughout the film. Exactly. So now we've got the princess's car getting raised into Spaceball One. Dark Helmet doesn't know she's not in there. He's just, he's, yes, he's captured her. And it's funny because he does this whole fucking speech about, oh, I've got you now and, you know, this is what I'm going to get from you, blah, blah, blah. And then he opens the door and there's fucking no one in there. <laughs> And he's like, what the hell? Where is she? <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's like every time he tries to be boss, he just looks like a dick. Like there's just like the Wicked Witch, right? That's what I mean. Every time she tries to do something, it's like he's like foiled by Loin, Loin, Loin Star. Lone Star. So that's another parallel yeah. between him and the and the Wicked Witch, which I thought was funny. Yes, yes. But, you know, I have a retort. Tell the me. Wicked Witch, the Wicked Witch looked scary as fuck. This motherfucker, Dark Helmet, I just want to punch him in the fucking face. No, I know, I know. Not he's, looks, he's personality. So, so personality. Not, look, look no, they're not right. all the same, but pers- sometimes know, he goes, I'm like, well, that's wicked witch shit. I know, I know, I know, I know. So Dark Helmet is fucking pissed. And just as he gets, oh no, I've already read that. Why? Uh, so, blah, blah, blah. So, did, wait, did you tell me what you thought about that scene? I didn't know. It was good. It was Dark Helmet acting like a fucking moron. He was great. <laughs> right, right, right. So, anyway, um, 
he's pissed. And he sees the Winnebago. He goes up back, back up to the bridge and he sees the Winnebago go into light speed. And he's like, wait, what the fuck happened? And his colonel goes, they went to light speed. And he goes, well, we need to go light speed. Prepare for light speed. And he goes, Dark Helmet goes, no, 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 no. Light speed's too slow. And his colonel goes, too slow. And Dark Speed goes, Dark Speed. Dark Helmet goes, we need to go to ludicrous speed. <laughs> and his colonel almost <laughs> has a fucking heart attack. He's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And and then he goes, um, uh, uh, okay. And then he's like preparing everyone for for ludicrous speed. And he's like, uh, sir, to dark helmet, maybe you should strap, maybe you should put your seatbelt on. He's like, nah. And then they go to ludicrous speed, and then dark helmet just gets like like just they're going so fast that his body's getting pushed back and his face is getting pushed back. And then he tells him, we've overshot Lone Star. You have to stop. And he's like, well, we we have to slow down first. He's like, no, just fucking stop. And so he stops it and then Dark Helmet fucking goes into the, smashes into the, basically the front window bit. <laughs> um, but we're with the Winnebago and they see the, the, um, the, the ship go past them. And they're like, oh, they must have overshot us for by at least a week and a half. But now the Winnebago is out of gas. And so it's like, we have to make an emergency landing. And so then they go and they land on a, a desert moon. Yeah, no, I look, 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 I thought, you know, I thought uh, Dark Helmet's idea to go to go to Ludicrous Street was funny as hell. Well, you know, when when the colonel pushed it on and Rick Moranis like elevated and his face started to go in and and he just started to lose all like it was just a really really great scene. And when they shot past Lone Star's Winnebago and uh, Dark Helmet did a face plant into the monitor over there, I thought it was just great. So now we're on the planet and the princess is pissed. She's pissed they've crashed. She's pissed he can't drive and she wants to rip a new, rip him a new one and Lone Star wants to rip her a new one and Barf is like, oh, wait, no, no, wait, you don't know what she looks like. And she, he's like, no, no, you've seen one princess, you've seen them all. They're all but ugly and Barf is like, no, but my, my, he goes, no, 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 I'm not listening to you. And so he storms out the back of the Winnebago because they haven't seen each other yet and she storms up to him and they have this moment where they look at each other and they go, oh, my God, they're actually like, He's attractive. She's attractive. Fuck. This is not what I was expecting. <laughs> and it's, yeah. just, it's just a moment that I think is really, really well directed by Mel Brooks and obviously well acted by Daphne Zuniga and um, uh, uh, Bill, Pullman. Bill Pullman. So they're looking at each other and they're like, oh, okay, they're attractive. And then they start, they start having words and she says she's not going without her luggage. And he says, take only what you need to survive. You know, you know, you know, I, I just want to just want to say two things. Yeah. Number one, when uh, number one, when you walk into a room and you see a beautiful person, you like have this like, <gasps> holy shit, she's beautiful. What do I what do I do? What do I do? What do I yeah, do? Yeah. And I, I really I really felt that Bill Pullman really did a great job sort of sort of showing that mm. effect when you walk in. You know, when you see a beautiful person, you're like, oh, my God, I can't think. What the hell am I going to do? Somebody's got to talk. So I thought that that was really effective. And I also think that this princess carries that this princess got to let, let go of the fucking luggage because it's ridiculous. I know. I know. But then like the next he's take only what you need to survive. And then the next minute they're walking through the desert and Lone Star and Bath are carrying so much of her luggage. Like she's got they've got a trunk and they've got so and, and she's just laughing. And then Bath goes, fuck, I hope she didn't forget anything. <laughs> like, it's like, but that that's a chick thing. It's like take only what you yeah, need to survive. All right, well, we're going to take three caseloads. That's a that's a chick thing, which I which I resonated yeah, with. No, and I'm like, that's hilarious. 
Yeah, yeah, no, but the other, yeah, yeah, because you know, you know, the 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 really universal thing about uh, uh, women is that they have everything that they need in their in their purse, right? They yeah. they go into that purse, they got fucking everything. Yeah, and I think that I I think that um I think that this scene is sort of an example of that, but like mm. on a a hilarious scale. Yes, so. Uh, like I mentioned, one of the one of the luggage they're carrying is like a massive trunk, and Lone Star drops it. And he goes, "No, I'm not doing this." And he opens it, and he's like, "What the hell is in this thing?" And he pulls out a giant hair dryer, which I always find hilarious. And he's like, "What is this?" And she's like, "It's my hair dryer, and I can't live without it." <laughs> and as a girl, it's like you resonate, right? You totally resonate. You're like, "Yeah, I get you. I get you, babe." And then he just drops it in the sand and he's like, we're not taking it. And she goes fucking ape shit. She's yeah, like, pick yeah. that up. And he's like, you pick that up. <laughs> and, then, and she can't do anything because she doesn't want to carry the luggage. And then they just keep walking and he leaves it, which I found that scene so fucking funny. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I mean, as a guy with long hair, I need my fucking blow dryer. I, I, I resonated with that too. Yeah. 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 So uh, now we move on where we're back with Dark Helmet and his colonel says, he, oh my God. Okay. This scene is so funny. He wants to see the, he goes, get, cause they're trying to find where Lone Star is. He goes, all right, get me the video VHS of Spaceballs, the movie. And Dark Helmet <laughs> goes, what do you mean? We're still in the middle of making it. And and they actually break the fourth wall in this movie. He keeps, Rick Moraz keeps looking at the, t- looking at the camera goes, we're, we're, we're still making it. And he's like, he's like, yeah. yeah, but we can, we can, we can put the, we can put the movie in and then we can fast That's forward. That's the best part. Yeah, we can fast forward to where the where the princess is, and he goes, "Oh, okay," and he puts it in, and he starts playing it, and then the movie starts playing what we've already seen, and then the ludicrous speed, hap- the thing is happening, is like, "Oh my god!" And then they get up to this part where it's like at the exact part of the movie, and so what's on the screen in the movie they're actually doing is like, "What is this?" He goes, "This is now." He goes, "But when will then be now?" It's like soon, but now is then, and then is now. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> no, this is happening now. <laughs> But it's not now. It's not going to be now in a few minutes. It's going to be then. But now is now. It's so cool. <laughs> and it's, it's so, so well written. Stupid. It's so well written. And then, of course, they fast forward and they find. And it's such a good way to propel the movie forward in a really funny way because it's like true. How are they going to find them? And Mel Brooks's brain, if he actually, yeah, he did come up with it. Uh, goes all right. What if we just put the movie in so it's like easy? And usually, if they did this in any other movie, obviously you couldn't do it. But in this movie. It worked because it was funny and it's like, oh, that's where they are. So it's like that but pushes the story forward. And I just thought that was such an ingenious thing to put in a movie. No, but you no, but you could only do that in a parody like this because in a normal movie, that would be fucking unthinkable. Yeah. Like nobody ever, ever would do that. But it's just a really, really funny scene. And I love it when they get to the part where they run out of the shit that's already happened. Mm-hmm. And Rick Moranis is like, moving his hand and as he moves his hand you see it happen on the vhs tape i was like this is fucking great it was just a really really funny uh a masterful idea by mel brooks and his co-writers of this film as well so now we're with the princess lone star dot and bath and they've made camp at night in the middle of the desert and lone star starts telling Princess Vespa a story about how he doesn't know where he came from and he was left on the steps of a monastery with with only like a pendant medallion around his neck and he has no idea what it means. He pulls it out and it's got this really weird writing and it's a really nice scene between the princess and Lone Star because they're bonding. But as soon as they laid eyes at each other 
on each other in the Winnebago. You could see there was instant attraction. And so their banter back and forth from that point on was very playful. It was very like, I hate you, but I find you insanely attractive. What am I going to do about it? Like it was that. It was that banter. And it, so it, this scene makes sense because in a lot of movies they've got two people hating each other and then two scenes later they love each other. And it's like, no, that doesn't make sense. But this makes sense. And it's funny because there's it's a really nice bonding moment, moment between them and then they go to kiss and then Dot, which is C-3PO, um, she's got an alarm that goes off and it's a virgin alarm. <laughs> and she intervenes. She's like, what do you touch? What do you touch? She's like, oh, my God, nothing. You can touch anything, which I find really, really funny. So the next day they're all walking through the desert and they all pass out. So Lone Star's walking. is like, water, water. And then Barf is like, water, water. And then Dot pan over to dot she's like oil oil and then you pan over to the princess and she's like room service room service (laughs) oh my god what a princess thing anyway they all fucking pass out because they've got no water and then these little people called the dinks in in little sparkly robes find them give them water and kind of lead them out of out of the desert so anyway what do you think yeah, yeah, I thought, you know, you know, I thought, uh, you know, I thought the scene with Lone Star explaining a bit of his backstory and them and then him putting like his jacket on her, I thought was really cool. It was a kind moment, but they remind me a lot of Luke and Leia and they really have that same sort of, I love you, but I find you insanely attractive sort of thing. They sort of had that love and hate relationship and mm-hmm. it's just really fun to see their dynamic grow throughout the course of the movie i love the fact that the robot has like a virgin alarm i I found that really funny yeah i like the lines when they were all going through the desert and they kept passing out and the things that they were saying Mm. it was great the dinks um reminded me of the jawas so now a short scene with dark helmet and he's on the planet he's on the moon that they're on in the desert land and he's got a safari outfit on with a very huge oversized safari helmet (laughs) And he's just, so a, yeah, he's just searching for the princess. That's, that's, it's more, it's not a bit of a scene. It's just like a shot to show that he's there, he's searching. And then we move on to the little alien dinks and they bring the, they bring all, they bring the crew to like an underground bunker where they meet Yogurt the Wise. He is the keeper of the greatest power on earth, the Schwartz, because Barf actually says the force. And he goes, no, 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 the Schwartz. And it's like, oh, okay. And he has a ring with an S on it, which is exactly the same ring that Dark Helmet has when he had that laser come out of it and hit that guy in the balls. So they've got the same ring. And then Lone Star asks what he does. Like, what do you do in this bunker? And then Yogurt, who is played by Mel Brooks, said, merchandising. And it's like, what? And then he opens up a door, a door, and there's all these space balls. Space balls, the movie. Space balls, the placemat. Space balls, the flamethrower. Space balls, the cereal. <laughs> and it's like, what? Merchandising. <laughs> and he goes, George, look at that, George Lucas. Yeah, and he's <laughs> like, this is where the real money of a movie is made. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Um, anyway, that's the scene. That's the scene where they meet yogurt. So, what did you reckon? Yeah, no, it's a really funny scene to see like Spaceballs version of Yoda. Mm. And I, you know, I, I I love the moment where Mel Brooks opens up the cover and you see a Spaceballs, a million goddamn things of how to merchandise a movie. Mm. Because fun because fun facts, kids. Do you know how George Lucas built uh Industrial Light and Magic and Skywalker Ranch? You know how he did all that? 
Because when the original Star Wars, just really quick, when the original Star Wars was made, nobody thought that this fucking movie was going to make any money. So George Lucas took all the rights to the film and all the merchandising, all the merchandising rights. Mm. So he became a billionaire off of the yeah. merchandising rights for anything Star Wars. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I just find that really funny that that Mel Brooks took a dig at George Lucas's yeah. grand plan of becoming a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. So now we're at Spaceball City and we're with President Scroob and he's in bed with uh, twins uh, in Spaceball Sheets. <laughs> this movie just mocks itself. So he gets a transmission saying that Lord Helmet lost the princess on the moon, lost uh, on the moon Vega, and he tells them to comb the desert, comb the desert. And then we cut to two of Dark Helmet's men with literally like a giant comb literally combing the desert <laughs> with combs yeah and marcelo can i tell you yeah. the shot of the guy do you remember it said yeah thing? yeah you know who that is yeah fuck yeah that that, that uh, look this is you know, this is actually my favorite scene in the movie and the reason why i love the scene is because i watched this movie and i'm like it's too much too much is combing the desert <laughs> Yes. I, I love is coming my fucking my <laughs> I was like, holy fuck, Tuvok is coming the desert. That's it. And for the people listening, if you don't know oh who Tuvok is, Tuvok is a character in Star Trek Voyager, if you don't know. Oh, Which God. Marcel and I love. So, yes. It was so, so fucking funny. I know. So now we're back with Lone Star and he asks Yogurt what his pendant or medallion means. And he goes, I know what it is, but I don't want to tell you yet. And then Yogurt starts training Lone Star to use the Schwartz. So, and that'll come back later. So that's a little scene. And then we go into the next scene. We're with Dark Helmet and he's still looking for them. When he feels the presence of the Schwartz, he goes, I can feel the, the other Schwartz. And then he finds the door to the bunker, but he can't open it because uh, Yogurt got the, the good Schwartz ring and he didn't get the good Schwartz ring. So it's funny because it explains it because you have to be able to explain why he can't open the bunker door. And I reckon they just wrote the line of dialogue, just just make it so that Yogurt got the good ring and Dark Helmet got the shit ring. <laughs> and that all makes sense. Yeah. And weirdly enough, it fucking yeah. does make sense. It works. It works. It works. It works. And so he's like, oh, it well, absolutely, it, absolutely, it works. absolutely works. And so he's like, uh... But but I, I can't go in there, but I can make them come out. So what do you think about those two little scenes? That was cool. And, you know, like you just said, Mel Brooks and his co-writers ran into a little conundrum there as to why Dark Helmet couldn't open up the the door. But it was just mm. really, really simple. Yeah. It's a simple solution. Just just say that Dark Helmet got the shitty ring and yogurt or yogurt, whatever the Yogurt, yeah, the yeah. ripoff guy. Yeah, yeah. Yogurt uh, got the good ring. So it's so it it was a it was a really really simple writing solution by Mel Brooks and the team there. I thought it was I thought yeah. it was great. Now we're inside the bunker when the princess hears the voice of her father calling her Vespa, Vespa, come out. She steps out of the bunker and she sees her dad, and then her dad turns into Dark Helmet and her and she's followed by dot and her and dot get kidnapped by dark helmet lone star sees wicked this. witch yeah exactly exactly w- wicked witch That's oh it. my god now i'm saying it <laughs> oh, my oh my god here we go here we go we're gonna we're getting there we're gonna get there <laughs> you're gonna be on my side of the pool in fucking no time so lone star sees sees this gets ready to go after them 
And before he can get in his Winnebago, he gives him a fortune cookie and says to open it at a later time. And he says, will I ever, well, I love this line of dialogue. Lone Star says to Yogurt, will I ever see you again? And Yogurt says, who knows? Maybe we'll meet in Spaceballs, the sequel, the search for more money. (laughs) And then he gives Lone Star the Schwartz ring. And and goes away. But I just thought that that was so funny because it's true. The only reason they make sequels is for money <laughs> and for no other yeah, reason. Yeah but, yeah, but here's the thing, guys. Look, I, I've only seen this movie twice, once when I was a kid and today for this conversation. But I've heard the legend among the, among the, uh, among the movie community that they've wanted poor Mel Brooks to make a sequel to this movie for years. And I'm like, I look, 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 I, I, I even know the title of the movie. Hmm. Like, and, and I was like, that would be such a good idea if they actually do that and they make that the title of the movie. But I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get, like, if they were to do it, I don't know how they would get Rick Moranis out of retirement, though. Um, they, yeah, in 2015, he was, he was going to do it. He was going to write it because you're right. People have been hounding him to do a sequel because it's a cult movie. Um, the reason he kind of, not didn't want he doesn't he does want to do it but the fact that some of the characters have passed away john candy's passed away the um princess vespa's father he's passed away um he has no daphne zunega said that she would go back bill pullman would go back um yes rick moranis is retired but he's actually coming out of retirement now so i don't think they would have any trouble getting him i don't think it's that i just think there's a couple things that maybe it's up to mel brooks it's not up to anybody else it's up to him no, of course it is. Yeah, of course it is because he because he created a thing. And also, um, no, I don't want to say that just in, case, just in case it's in your trivia. But off you go. All right. So this is one of my favorite scenes. And there's a shot and Dark Helmet is in his room. And there's a shot. And because his helmet's so big, you can't see what's on his desk. And you can hear him talking to the princess. So, Princess Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> But look, 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 when I I saw this, I was like, I was like, I was like, this is the most nerdiest thing ever. So, so you can all, so you think he's talking to princess because he's kidnapped her, right? So, So princess Vespa, I have you in my clutches to have my way with you. And then, and then the camera pans around and we see he's playing with dolls. And he's made dolls to look like Princess Vespa, him, Dot, Lone Star, and Buff, like a little kid would play with them. And he plays this whole scenario out of his he Lone Star comes to try and rescue the princess and and he uses his doll to be like, oh no, you're not getting like a dot, like a kid, right? <laughs> And he he like pushes Barf, the Barf doll out. Like they're little, the the dolls he's playing with is maybe like three or four inches high, like very, very little dolls. And and then he goes, ah, Princess Vespa, I have you all to myself. And she's like, no, 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 I don't like you. Oh, but I find you strangely attractive. (laughs) And then he goes, she goes, oh, my God, your helmet's so big. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And then, and then his colonel barges in, and as he barges in, Dark Helmet like like grabs all the toys and like pulls them in towards him, like he's embarrassed. And he's like, "Sir, you're needed on the bridge." And Dark Helmet goes, "Did you say anything?" He goes, "No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again." <laughs> <laughs> that scene is one of my fucking favorite scenes. I just piss myself every time I watch it. Yeah, it's just look. I mean, look, look. I'm not gonna say too much, but that's it's just so 
It's 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 got so many levels of awesomeness to it. It's just so so good. All right. So the next scene is uh, we're at Spaceball City, and Princess Vesper is tied up, and Dark Helmet walks in, and uh, he puts the king on the television, and he goes, "I want the code. I want the code to the shield, so we can get your." Air. and the king goes no i'm not i'm not giving it and he goes all right well i have a i have a i have a nose job surgeon here and he and he go, and the king goes so what she had a nose job when she was 16 that was her her, her birthday and he goes no 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 <laughs> he goes if you don't give me the code i'm going to give her her old nose back right and princess vesper's like no <laughs> and you can see she had this like wicked witch nose and the king is like oh my god like sweating like like it's not a real thing, obviously, like this threatening a princess with something so superficial is going to work because she's so fucking superficial. And so the king goes, all right, all right, all right. And then Princess Vesper's like, where did you get that? Where did you get that photo? Like she's just pissed. And so he goes, all right, all right, all right. I'll give you, I'll give you the, the, um, the code to the shield. And he's like, it's like, all right, well, what is it? What is it? What is it? Tells his colonel, right, write this down. He goes, okay, one, one, two. Three, four, five. On Dark Helmet, he's got his helmet down. He pushes his helmet up. He's going, what kind of a coat is that? <laughs> One, two. He goes, that's like someone, something someone would have on their luggage. Um, and then, but that's that scene. But I thought that, that was pretty funny. I thought it was funny that he was threatening her with something so stupid and so superficial. <laughs> he could have threatened her with like, I'm going to bomb your castle. I'm going to destroy your city. No, no, no. I will literally give you your old nose back. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, no, uh, I look, I must admit that when I saw this, when I saw that scene today, I could only think of one thing. And that's because I've known somebody who did that. And uh, I could just imagine what would happen to that person if they threatened to, you know, screw away her beautiful nose. But I, I, I thought it was quite funny. And, you know, and then the mm. and then the code to and then the code like for the. For the air, so they could get to it. That was fucking stupid. But yeah. I, I, but I did like, I, I did like the whole nose thing. Yeah, and at the end of that scene, President Scrooge comes in. He goes, "Did you get the code?" And he goes, "Yeah, it was one, two, three, four, five. And he's like, "Wow, I got the same combination on my luggage." <laughs> and Dark Helmet's like, "And he goes, yeah, 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 change my luggage." Yeah, he goes, "I gotta change my luggage." So anyway, now we're with Lone Star uh, and the winner in the Winnebago with, with Buff and they landed in Spaceball City. So, cause they're going after the princess and they landed at the prison complex and they steal two prison guards outfits and enter the prison. And they turn down a hallway that says Royal prisoners only, which I thought was really, really an ingenious way to get them to the point to, so, so you know, in movies, how the characters go somewhere and they find something straight away and you're like, oh, that's convenient that you're finding it straight away. But this movie actually puts in, oh, this is literally where she's held. So you do not have to go down any other hallway. <laughs> this is where she is, which I thought was quite funny. And then they hear this singing, low tone. And then Buff goes, is that the princess? And he's like, Lone Star's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And so she's singing, um, She's singing a song, a low tone song, and they they see they open up a the little peephole and they see it's the princess, right? And she's singing like this: "Nobody knows the blessy. <laughs> like that, right? And it's so low tone that when you see it, that it's actually Daphne de Zuniga singing it. You're like, oh, that is so strange <laughs> for a princess to be singing that low tone. Anyway, they go in and she's like, oh, my God, get the fuck away from me. And they're like, no, no, it's us, it's us. So anyway, they get into a firefight rescuing the princess 
and they see, I love this part, they see a door closing and they're like, quick, 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 and they all jump through and they're cornered by the guards and then the head guard comes in and he goes, oh, I have captured you. Turn around so I can see you. And then all four of them turn around and he just has this look on his face and he's like, you idiots, you've captured their stunt doubles. <laughs> and like Princess Leia, Princess Leia, Princess Vesper is like a dude and they all just do not look like them. And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny, <laughs> stunt doubles. <laughs> so anyway, that's that scene. Yeah, no, I thought, look, 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 it, it, it was extremely funny when they were trying to find where Princess Vesper was, where Princess Vesper was being held. And and Mel Books and Arias decided to make it easy. Roll prisoners being held here. I thought that was awesome. But the funniest part was the part where they heard the singing, and we discovered that Princess Vespa has like this really low tone voice. I thought that was great. But also the scene in the corridor when they turn around and it happens to be their stunt doubles. I thought that that was an ingenious choice by Mel Brooks and his co-writers. So I I, I like those. I, I like these scenes quite a bit. Yeah, so Mel Brooks uh, actually, before they filmed that scene, he's like, he said to Daphne Zuniga, like, I'll get someone to do the, to do the singing scenes for you, someone with a low tone. And she goes, no, no, I can do it. And he's like, are you sure? It has to be low. She goes, no, no, I can do it. And she ended up doing it. And he was like, oh my god, that's great. <laughs> so he left it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now is uh, my second favorite scene of the movie: Lone Star Bath Dot and the Princess reach the Winnebago outside the prison complex. And there are just so many guards. And um, Princess Vespa tries to get in. He's, she's like, she says to Baff, "Why? Where are the keys?" And he's like, "They're inside." She's like, "Oh, great!" And and then Lone Star goes. He he hands her his gun and says, "Hold this. I'll try to get the door open." And she's holding it like a kid would hold something they just do not want to touch. She's like, "Oh my god, I hate guns!" And then this is the part. One of the bad guys shoots at the princess. And she, her demeanor complete. Daphne Zuniga, oh my God, bless this woman. Her face completely changes from "ooh, I don't want to hold a gun" to she just looks at she just looks at this guy that shot it. Like, how dare you shoot at a princess? Right? She didn't say it, but her face <laughs> says it all. And then she says, "My hair. He shot my hair. <laughs> Son of a bitch." And then she gets the gun. She like cocks it, and this goes. <laughs> And just like takes them all out. <laughs> Don't mess with the princess's hair, folks. Honestly, like, and then and then Lone Star's like, what the hell? <laughs> there's like twenty of them, like down. And oh my god, that's my favorite thing. I just love it. I just love it so much. Anyway, that's that scene. Yeah, no, it's a no, it's a great scene because you know at first Lone Star hands her the gun. And you, you like you said, she wants no part of it. But the second that somebody shoots at her and fucks up her hair, all bets are off. And then she just lays waste to those people. Yeah. It's just a really good scene. And like you mentioned, the actress has a face of like non-interest, non-interest. But the second she gets shot at, she just shows a serious face, and then she just kills everybody. So it's just a really great. It's a really great funny scene for the way that the actress plays it. It's so funny what motivates her though. Because everybody's shooting at her, she doesn't care. Everybody's shooting, but as soon as they shoot at her, it's like it's on. <laughs> she doesn't because she doesn't yeah. care about anyone else. She just cares about her. No, but she's no, but she's very she's very self centered for most of this movie. She is. That's true. So now we're at Dark Helmet's uh, vessel and Spaceball One, and it's reached the air shield of Planet Druidia, and Lone Star catches up to them and sees them, and he's like the the shield opens, and it's only like 
like imagine a shield around earth and a little doorway opens and he's like how the hell are they going to get the air out like how are they going to get the ship and then space ball one starts transforming into mega maid <laughs> so it transforms into a maid that has a vacuum cleaner and the vacuum cleaner goes over the hole and starts sucking all the air from the planet lone star uses his schwartz ring to move the basically on button of the vacuum cleaner to reverse and it reverses it and dark helmet's like what the hell is happening and and his colonel goes she's gone from suck to blow (laughs) that's that that scene that's that's i told you it's i'm a child when i watch this i turn into like a no but the the thing is no but the thing is even even I when I was watching that scene, I turned to a ten year old when he when when he goes, she's good when when he goes, she's gone to suck from blow. I just went <laughs> You know, it's just a it's just a look, 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 I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say too much, but it's just a really, really funny scene. It is, it is. So Lone Star flies his Winnebago into the maid's ear, searching for a self-destruct. And he finds it and he leaves the Winnebago. And he gets to the self-destruct. And when he gets there, he's confronted by Dark Helmet. And Dark Helmet stands there and then he says, oh, God. Every time I every time I say a joke, I'm like, oh, man, I feel like a 10-year-old saying this joke. But I do find it funny. He goes, I am your father's, brother's, nephew's, cousin's, former roommate. <laughs> and Lone Star's like, what does that make us? He's like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know but you know but th- th- that's that's not the best joke in the scene yeah yeah well what is it that's not the best joke in this oh when 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 lone star goes when lone star good when, when lone star goes i will i will always prevail over you because oh because, yeah yeah because, okay yeah okay because uh 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 good is dumb all right okay okay it's i'm coming a, up, okay i'm a, coming up to that i'm coming up to that yes yeah, i love that. Okay. i love that line so they both okay. they both have a Schwartz ring, and it basically when they activate it, they look like lightsabers. So they have like a lightsaber funny fight. Dark helmet ring gets, fight. Oh yeah, a ring fight. Dark helmet gets the ring away from Lone Star, and then he says, "Evil will always triumph because good is dumb." <laughs> so good, so good, <laughs> so good. So the self destruct. So he knocks. He knocks. Uh, Lone Star knocks. Um, what's his face into the self destruct? Lone Dark helmet. Yeah, Dark helmet. Uh, Lone Star races back to his Winnebago. Everyone in the in Spaceball One starts evacuating because you can't really stop it. And then this awesome song, um, Spaceball, starts playing, which obviously is just for the movie. Yeah. Uh, so good. Yeah, and everyone starts getting into into the 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 what is it? The escape pods. And there's like so many people. There's like a bearded lady. There's bears. There's jugglers. Like it's like who the fuck are these people? And why the fuck who are they the on the ship? Who the fuck are these people? So. The shot, the shot of when they get into the uh, escape pod, you know the shot where where it, it's it's um, not when it's coming out of the top of the Mega Maid, but that one shot where it's like launching. Yeah, in the tunnel. Yeah. Right. So those shots were actually um, filmed for the original Star Wars movie. That was footage from that movie that George Lucas gave Mel Brooks to use in Spaceballs. Oh, I, yeah. Unused I, you know footage. What? I thought the, you know what, you know what, funny thing, I thought those shot, I thought those shots looked familiar. No, but he didn't use the shots. Not, That's why he let him yeah, have it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I know, but the shots had a very, very, very Star Wars oh, right, right, right. look to them. Yeah. So that was nice yeah. of George Lucas to, to give him. 
That was really nice. I know, but also, 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 Mel Brooks couldn't have made this movie without George Lucas's blessing. I just want to, I, I just want to, I just want to say that right, right, you know, up front. Yeah, I have that. In my, I've got that in my trivia. There's, there's a little bit more to that, but yes, that's true. That is true. Yeah. So anyway, they all start evacuating, and there's no more escape pods. So Lord Helmet or Dark Helmet, the Colonel and President Scrooge are all kind of trapped. The Winnebago escapes, and the ship blows up, but. President Scrooge, the Colonel, and Lord Helmet are in the Mega Maid's head. So they didn't blow up. It's just their head went in a, the head went in another direction, and that's the bridge. And then they went, you know, where they where they'll go. So the Winnebago uh, Lone Star sees a report that Pizza the Hut is dead because he ate himself to death. <laughs> he was trapped in a car. He was hungry. And what do you do? You fucking eat yourself to death. And so it's like, oh great, now he doesn't need to pay the money. So that's kind of dealt with. And uh, so the princess reunites with her father and Prince Valium, who has, again, fallen asleep. Uh, and so, so anyway, what did you think about the last, I mean, that's not the last scene, but it's kind of like the last sequence of the film. Yeah, yeah, listen, listen, I thought it was a little bit inconvenient how Peter the Hutt died, but <laughs> Peter the Hutt guy died, but whatever. Yeah. I liked, I, I liked the destruction Mm-hmm. Of uh, of dark helmet spaceship, mm-hmm. I, I I like where they went, which I'm sure you're going to get to in a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, but but all in all, all in all, I all in all, I thought the finale was great. All right, so we're now with with Lone Star, and he is at like a gas station diner with Bath, and they enter and they sit at the the bar bit, and they order their food, and then we see another group of people having a conversation, and one of the guy, one of the guys, just you're sitting there, and you're like. What do I know him from? What does he look like? What does he look like? He looks like someone. And he's eating his food. And then it's just like. And I'm like. Oh. Dude. Dude. I recognized him a second before I started. I'm like, oh my God, that's. And then it started happening. Same actor. Oh my God. So basically the actor is the same actor from the original Alien movie when the alien burst out of his chest. And he actually recreated the scene. Yeah, but but yeah. the alien that burst out was quite funny because it's, it put a top hat on and then started doing a little dance, which I thought was funny. <laughs> now we're uh, so Lone Star is like Jack, please. <laughs> I don't want to eat here. I don't want to yeah. be here. So <laughs> Lone Star, um, he he's in the Winnebago and he opens the fortune cookie, and it's a message. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. He gives a he he gives a fortune cookie to Barf because Barf is hungry. Oh yeah, and, and he Barf opens is it. the one that opens up the fortune cookie. Yeah, yeah. So Barf opens up the fortune cookie and there's a like a holographic message from Yogurt to him, and he tells him that the medallion under around his neck means that he's uh, he's it's a royal birth certificate. So, oh my god, convenient. He's a prince. <laughs> <laughs> which you, which this movie can get away with because it's so stupid. And then he turns yeah, the tail back to, back to Druidia where with uh, the next scene is where with Dark Helmet, Colonel, the Colonel and President Scrooge and they land on a, on a, on a barren island and then um, they come out of the Mega Maid's nose and there's these two, they're basically landed on the planet of the apes. <laughs> and it goes, who yeah, are they? Awesome. Space balls. There goes the planet. <laughs> awesome awesome i loved it but it's so funny because because people watching that for the first time now will not understand that they won't even understand it if (laughs) if they watch the new movies because the new planet of the eight movies they don't look like the old old school movies and the old school planet Mm -hmm. of the apes so they're not going to get it no 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 this joke this joke is for is for is for old school is for old school folks like me who grew up watching the old Planet yeah, of the Apes yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we go back to the wedding of Prince Vesper, and 
Prince Valium and the, the the priest is so funny. He keeps getting interrupted and he's like, oh, fuck. He's like, look, you guys are getting married. He goes, just, just say yes. Just, just, let's just go. Like, he just wants <laughs> to get the fuck out of yes. here. He's like, all right, let's, let's just. And then he's trying to get this wedding done. <clears throat> and then Lone Star barges in and he's like, oh, my fucking God. And he goes, I'm a prince. I'm a prince. I can marry you. And Princess Vesper's like, he's like, will you marry me? And Princess Vesper's like, yes, yes, I'll marry you. So she pulls him into the altar and he's like, who's getting, he goes, I don't care who's getting married. Somebody's getting married. Okay. Do you? Yes. Do you? Yes. Great. You're married. Kiss. <laughs> he's just, he doesn't want to know anything. And then that's it. That's he's the just end. He's so fed up. He's so fed up. He just wants to get yeah, the fuck out of there. So that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, it's just a you know, it's a it's a, it's a really really great humorous ending to a really really fun film, mm. and it's just great. But yeah. um, but uh, do you want to do you want to go to your trivia? So the first trivia I have is uh, yes, George Lucas gave his blessing because Mel Brooks said basically I'm I'm not going to do this without your blessing, but he says you can make this movie on the condition that there will be absolutely no merchandising of any kind. For Spaceballs, which is why Mel Brooks made fun of it in the movie. Oh, wow. Which I think. That is. Listen. That is a really. I I don't know. Look, I I kind of think it's a dick move. I mean, George Lucas at this point was a billionaire. So does it really matter if if Mel Brooks makes money off of Spaceball merchandise? No. No, no, hold up. But that is a really odd request, and that's kind of a dick move. Because, because, like you said before, George Lucas knows that the money from a movie is made from merchandising, just like you said. And he didn't yeah, want he, he didn't want him to get all this money from the merchandising because the merchandising would have been like there would have been a lot of it, and it would have made Mel Brooks a lot of money. So I don't know why George right. Lucas cared about somebody else getting money. But that was the condition, and Mel Brooks adhered to that, and not one thing has ever been sold yeah. merchandising wise spaceballs. So that's that. Mm. No, but you know, but I'm sure, I'm sure you can find some spaceball like, 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 like stuff by, but made by like. Oh yeah, you can. Like, yeah, not official, uh, but yeah. people, right? Yeah, yeah. So the original title of the movie was Planet Moron. <laughs> I like Spaceballs better. Yeah, because they called it Planet... They they couldn't call it that because there was a British film that had a similar name. And so the writers of the movie said, well, like, what are we going to call it? Space something. We have to... Because it's in space. So space what? It has to be a second word. And then Mel Brooks was drinking his coffee and he goes, balls, balls. And he's like, oh, my God, Spaceballs. Yes, that's the title. So thank God Planet Moron was taken because that wouldn't... I don't know if that necessarily would have gone down well. No, no, no! I really, I really don't think so at all. I don't, I, I, I don't yeah. like, I don't like, I, I don't like Planet Moron over Spaceballs, not one bit. Yeah. Um. Steve Martin was uh, the original choice to play the Colonel. Oh well, um, maybe. Well, see, we'll see, we'll see. I'm a huge fan of Steve Martin, so mm. I would have, I would have liked Steve Martin over. Yeah, he would have been that good. They got. Okay, so the soundstage used for. <clears throat> the underground bunker of yogurt was exactly the sound, the same sound stage that they used for the Wizard of Oz Yellow Brick Road sequence. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that, oh, that's a huge connection. That's interesting. And the last one is quite funny. My favorite scene where his dark helmet is playing with his dolls. That yep. scene was not in the script. And on the day, Mel Brooks came up with the idea. And he said, oh, a couple of days before. And he said to Rick Moranis, this is the this is what we're going to shoot. There was no script. And he said to Rick, 
improvise and ad lib. So everything in that scene that Rick Moranis said was not scripted. He just made it, it up. Rigged. Okay, awesome. Very, very cool. So that's it. You know, that you know, but you know, but that shows you what a what a what a what a comedic genius Rick Rick Moranis is. Oh, yeah. What a what what a think on his feet director and writer Mel Brooks is. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yep. That's that's great. With that out of the way and done with, guys, if you like anything that we do here on the show and you want to email us to give us a props, advice, or even uh, send us a request for a movie to uh, review in the future, you can just email us at themixtapepod at AOL.com. But uh, if you're coming back next week, next week, we'll be reviewing the 1990 film flatliners so with all that said and done with i will simply say if someone is ever kind enough to make you a mixtape that must truly mean that they love you the mixtape podcast is a balloon head productions presentation